Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. That's pretty good. If you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles to the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. Fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. As you're turning there, have you ever, have you ever felt like or a period of time in your life, maybe you're better off than I am, like maybe it's just like a couple days for you, but like you're just phoning it in sometimes, you know? Like you get up on Monday morning and you say, why can't today be Friday? You get up, you get dressed, you eat, you get in the car, you head for work, and it's the last thing you want to do. You say, I'm going to see my coworkers today, but I really wish I didn't have to. Someone's going to be all happy and chippy this morning, and, and, and I'm really just not going to like that person this morning. And you say, man, what is going on with me? I'm not happy. I feel like I'm just phoning it in sometimes. The things that used to give me joy aren't giving me joy right now. Sometimes, and we are conditioned, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, sometimes you have been conditioned by your religion to feel guilty or to feel ashamed when you feel that way. Now, and that's different from Holy Spirit conviction of sin. I'm saying sometimes we're conditioned to feel that way because church folk and religion says you're supposed to feel a certain way. You're supposed to be the joyful, happy, go-lucky person every day of your life just because you know Jesus. How many of you have just been happy every single day of your life since you came to know? Right. Okay. I'm not telling on anybody. Nobody raised their hand. But so, so Paul says some things, um, and, and, and I share with you this morning from, from, from a little bit more of a, of, of a personal perspective, maybe even pulling the curtain back just a little bit. Um, so sometimes, you know, we all struggle uh, with that. Call it what you may, right? Um, I don't have letters after my name. I don't hang out with Dr. Phil. But so, so, you know, sometimes these things can happen because we wrestle with very real things like depression, grief, loss, right? Um, but sometimes, sometimes we just feel like, man, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it lately, you know? Uh, and, and so here's what Paul, now we're jumping right in the middle of a letter that Paul writes to this Christian church, and I should know better, and I struggle when I jump right into the middle of a letter, but, but they were having some struggles, right? Some people, had, some people had snuck in, and they were kind of preaching a false gospel, and they were telling these believers they had to do some things, they had to add some more stuff to their Kool-Aid to be right with God, and Paul's saying, no guys, no, stop it. And he says it was for freedom, in the beginning of Galatians 5, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. In verse 7, he says, guys, you were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So some people had snuck in and told them, 
really basically just Judaizers, that they had to be circumcised in order for their salvation to be right. And any time someone adds or takes something away to, from the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to be really, really careful that they are not preaching a false gospel to us. But then he says in verse 13, he repeats it, and that's why we know it's so important. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So one of the things we know there's this battle, and that's where the title here is walking in the spirit, right? Because we know there is this battle going on within us. So the next slide just simply says it's verses 16 through 18, the battle within. So Paul says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another. Thank you, Erica, for reading the scripture. I try hard not to read it again all over after you guys read the scripture and pray. But I can picture Paul being so passionate here. And there is this battle going on within. And that's what happens to us sometimes. That's what happens to us sometimes when we wake up and we feel like we just don't want to do it today. Or we're phoning it in. And don't misunderstand me. Sometimes in my life, probably not yours, but in my life, I know I might have some sin or some little rebellion that I got in my back pocket. I don't want you to see it, of course. But, but, and, and God might be dealing with me. And sometimes that's hard too, right? When we know we have some sin in our life, you're a follower of Jesus, and it just kind of pulls you down, you know? And Paul's saying to these guys, he says, he says, look, I know that battle is going on. And so when this battle is going on, there's just a couple of things. Well, there's more than a couple, but this morning we'll just share a couple of things that we need to know when we're dealing with this battle within. The next slide. One thing is, is knowing the truth. So if you're going to talk the talk, right? So sometimes I can tell you all the good things, right? Sometimes preachers have to be real careful. So I can tell you all the good things in the Word of God. I can tell you what we ought to do when we go out of here. But, 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 but as a pa the pastor has the same struggle that you do. I still go out the door and I got to do it on Monday morning. Heck, I got to do it on Sunday afternoon on the way home, right? And so, so knowing the truth is where we have to start. And so Paul has said some things here about knowing the truth. In Galatians chapter 2, and this is, what, this is why I, I love the epistles, and I can tell you I could stay in the epistles all the time and never preach anything else, but, but um, we know I'm not supposed to do that. Paul says, Paul says here, uh, when we talk about knowing the truth, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, number one, we're going to see the gospel changes everything. The gospel doesn't just save me, the gospel sustains me in my day-to-day -day life. Baptists, we like to get people saved, and sometimes we get them saved. We might even um, attempt to get them in church, but then we just move on and we don't disciple people. Sometimes we're guilty of getting, some, getting folks saved, but then not walking with them. And, and, and so the gospel not only saves us, but it sustains us. We never outgrow the gospel. I used to say that this template of the gospel still needs to be laid over my day-to-day -day life, and that is what will keep me. So Paul is saying to these believers, so something died when I became a Christian. 
When I became a Christian, something died. My sins went up on that cross and were covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And old Charlie died and Christ began to live in me. This is supernatural. For people who don't know Christ, they say, you people are a little crazy. What? Huh? They say, hold on, now tell me that again, right? So Christ lives in me. He said, and even though I'm still living in this body, and we talked about this last week as well, as long as I'm living in this body, there's going to be... There's going to be this battle between the flesh and the spirit. But he says, I live this life in the flesh now through faith. So it's being done differently because of Jesus, because he loved me and because he gave himself up for me. That's the gospel. So one, knowing the truth, okay? When we're talking about the battle that goes on within us, the gospel changes everything. Some days you don't feel like, you don't feel like the person who's heart and mind has been transformed by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in you if you're a follower of Jesus, but some days you're not feeling it. But it doesn't change the truth that Jesus Christ and the gospel and your salvation changed everything. So sometimes we know the truth, right? We know the truth, but we find ourselves still struggling. So in the next slide, just a couple of verses here. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7 as well, right? So, so we're getting this idea. So one, we got to know, knowing the truth about the gospel and knowing the truth about what goes on between the flesh and the spirit. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were brought to light by the law, they were at work in the parts of our body to bear fruit for death. Prior to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, this stuff going on inside of me was going to bear fruit. There's a language that we're going to use in Galatians here for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died. See, something died again. Having died to that by which we were bound so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Prior to knowing Jesus Christ, the only way to be right with God would be for me to be a perfect human being, which means I would have to fulfill all of the law every day of my life from birth till death. We know that's impossible. So the flesh, we have to do something with this flesh. I was bound to the law, but Jesus Christ brought me freedom. But then there's also something we need to know about ourselves dealing with ourselves in the flesh in the next slide. So, so here I hear this a lot, right? TV, you hear it on cartoons and some TV shows, right? The devil made me do it. Ah, the devil made me do it. Or watch this. This is, this is more prevalent in our community here. The devil's a liar. The devil is a liar. Well, the devil is a liar, but sometimes we're implying that it is the devil who is tempting me to do something, right? The devil is a liar, pastor. Amen, he is, but what's really going on, right? So listen to what James always gets us straight, right? James gets us straight. He says this, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it runs its course, brings forth death. So who's responsible for that temptation? Where does it come from? Oh my. See, when you hear something good, you say amen. Say amen. amen. 
when you hear something like me, you feel convicted. You say, oh, my. That's right. That's right. A couple of us said, oh, my. And some of you had some self-control. You weren't letting us know you were thinking it, right? But number two up here then, so then one, next slide, we must deal with these issues of the heart. We must deal with these issues of the heart, right? So, and he was saying in Mark, right, um, Jesus, that which comes out of the person, that is what defiles the person. For from within, I know this one hurts, for from within, out of the hearts of people, come the evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior. Man, you got to take a breath in the middle of that one. Envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the person. See, I've got to deal with what's going on in here. The gospel deals with that. But then we're going to get this instruction today about walking in the Spirit. So, and uh, next slide. So if we're going to talk the talk, then we have to walk the walk. Paul gives us a really good idea of this when he's talking to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, Paul gives them three walks. Matter of fact, uh, one of my professors used to say this, three walks in a stand. You get three walks in chapter 5 and a stand in chapter 6, right? Three walks and in chapter 6 you're supposed to stand firm. But um, here, are, here are the things that Paul says to the Ephesians when he's sharing some similar things. He says, therefore, be imitators of God and walk in love. Well, we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit in just a moment, right? So walk in love. He says, imitate God, imitating God, loving like Jesus, walking in the light, and walking carefully. So walking, uh, imitating God. You know, sometimes people don't like the statement, fake it till you make it. And I know why they say that in some of the rooms where I go sometimes. And it says, just do the right thing till all the rest of it kicks in. You know, that, that is not a terrible statement. Let me just say that. That is not, sometimes, sometimes, some days are just rough. And some days you just know you're just cranking it out. You're trying to get through the day and you say, okay, uh, I'm just going to do the right thing. Even, you know, and you do it. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes I'm saying that's a good day imitating God. I know what God would have me to do here. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it today. I got a bad attitude, but I know what God wants me to do today, imitating God, loving like Jesus. He says, a walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. What if I loved you the way that Jesus loves me? What if on a regular basis, I could love you the way Jesus, how then would I treat you? How would I talk to you? What would be the things that I would do and not do? So loving like Jesus. And he tells them walking as children of light. Remember, remember when you come, when someone comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, darkness is gone. And we have, we are, the truth is walking in the light. And also, and I like this one because this talks about my behavior in uh, 5.15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So even in Ephesians, just like in Galatians, Paul's talking to a different church, a little bit different purpose. But he says, if I'm going to talk the talk, walk the walk. What does that look like? Imitating God. 
uh, even on days when I'm having a real struggle doing it, loving people like Jesus loves me, walking in the light and walking carefully. So, so these are some things. Sometimes we know them in our head. Sometimes we got to get our heart right. That battle is going on inside of you some days, um, some weeks. And then we see what happens in verses 19 through 21. We're in Galatians chapter 5. I know I shared some scriptures this morning. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 through 21. We see what some of these sins of the flesh are, right? Very unpopular sermon, by the way, um, to talk about these sins in even a little bit of a detail. Um, But what we see in the sins of flesh, if there are, um, and I love what Dr. Ken Burr says in his book, If these are categories of sin, he's saying maybe they look like this. The first three or four, depending on which version of the Bible you're reading, are sexual sins. And then there's two that are the religious sins. And then the other, and again, based on what version of the Bible you are reading, about nine relationship sins. That's a lot of sin going on, man. You know what? I am capable. I am still capable of terrible sin if I'm walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit. You say, well, Charlie, that doesn't sound right. You said that Jesus saves us and, and, and cleanses our hearts and purifies our minds. Purifies our mind, cleanses our Did I get it backwards? And I say, yes, he does. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are a new person in Jesus Christ, and yet you still are fighting this battle. So he says, the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Actually, you say, well, what's the difference between adultery and and immorality? And your Bible may not even have both of those in there together. Uh, One, of course, is sexual sin um, inside of marriage, right? Someone who is married um, commits adultery and commit that sexual sin outside of their marriage. Secondly, that verse, the word immorality there is a Greek word for porneo, where we get our word for pornography is all sexual sin. Um, just encompasses, um, some people use, uh, some people, your Bible might say fornication. Um, that is sexual sin, not necessarily, you know, um, the breaking of marriage vows. So people who are single, um, and there are, and we know the age of technology, um, sexual sin has multiplied. I don't know if it has multiplied, but it has certainly been made so readily available that men and women, and um, that I'll just use men and women, men and women really struggle nowadays, um, particularly with things like pornography and our sexuality. And he says impurity and sensuality. Um, idolatry, right? And back in the day, you know, they may have had statues and they may have had um, Baal and Asherah. They had sex. They did have, they had cultic uh, sex gods in the temple. And sometimes paying for prostitution in the temple really was part of people's worship. There's some wild stuff going on back, back in the day. We didn't, we don't have lock on all the terrible sins. They were, they were doing some wild ones back in the day too. He says, so any, but a good definition for us for idolatry is anything that takes, anything that takes a higher place, a greater standing in my life than my relationship with Jesus. Anything. It could be a good thing sometimes, right? Uh, it could be something that's just out of priority in our day-to-day lives. But then something that just becomes more so important to me that I begin to neglect my relationship with God. 
And then I find myself thinking about that thing or wanting that thing, whatever it might be. I'm not going to fill in the blank. You know what some of those, you know what these sins are. And so this idea of idolatry in 2022 can, you know, be, um, um, is not just an old school thing. It's not just in the Bible, little statues, right, or worshiping the Baal or the Ashtoreth. Um, so Paul gives us this list of the sins of the flesh. I did want to read, um, and then there are the two religious sins. We saw that sorcery, um, the sorcery and witchcraft. Some of that is also related to pharmacia, to drugs, um, to the altering of our minds and opening ourselves up to Satan. Um, real stuff, real stuff. Um, but then we get to the relationship sins, and I think we really struggle here um, um, and this is where, remember last week we talked about walking in unity and how in the church God is, you know, calling us to be an example of unity to the outside world and loving and serving one another in unity. And this, so these sins of the flesh that can really mess with our unity, both in our church and in our homes. He talks about jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these things. So, so um, my friend even gives an illustration in the book. And if you knew him, you would say, how could this guy ever do this? They went to a football game one night in high school and they all jumped, like this is like in the late 70s, right? So they all jumped in this big custom van and they went to the high school football game. And it was an away game, so they were going into enemy territory. And their team just trounced the other football team. I mean, they just beat them terrible, you know? And so they were all excited and they all got back in the van. The windows were down. They were yelling, shouting, and they even started yelling and shouting at the team they had just beaten, right? And so someone jumped out and kicked their van. And so, so my friend, the pastor now, right? I can't even picture this. My friend had this like mini baseball bat in his friend's van and he jumps out of the van with the mini baseball bat and started like he's going to do, like get somebody, right? And I can't even picture this, but he even shares very transparently as he, as he, as he writes a commentary on the book of Galatians that outbursts of anger impacted his life. And at the age of 17 or 18, 18 or 19 was when he came to know Christ. But he even knew as a young man, these outbursts of anger, they impacted the relationships in his life. Even as an 18-year-old, he knew that that was a problem, a challenge for him. So these dissensions, enmities, and disputes, this is, look, I called it last week, uh, fussing and fighting. Uh, treating each other poorly, talking about people, gossip, stirring up trouble instead, instead of working hard on our relationships for the sake of unity. And so Paul goes in, and I am not going to, I am not going to deliver each one of these to you from the Greek language. Um, but in James chapter 3 and in the slide, I don't know if it's up there yet, 14 and 16, I um, have these verses up there. He says in James again, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. Why is it demonic? Because if it gets in the church and breaks up followers of Jesus and we're a terrible testimony in our community, we hurt one another and you quit church and, and you, I don't know what you did, but, 
we're just a terrible testimony. We're fighting, fussing with one another. Paul says, no, selfish ambition, this jealousy, this enmity. The enmity is almost like the strife and hatred. Um, and those are strong words. So he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Because sin is creeping in right behind that. It's creeping in right behind this. So we see living in the flesh produces this. It can produce these things in my day-to-day life. Sometimes it, um, um, and remember, he's talking to Christians here. So he's saying somehow these followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, if they're not careful walking in the flesh instead of in the spirit, they could begin to exhibit this kind of behavior and it can impact you in the most personal, intimate parts of your life and who you are. It can, it can impact us publicly, and then it can impact us in each and every one of our relationships. So, take a deep breath here, because we're talking about these sins of the flesh, right? Living in the flesh. And uh, next slide here, be inheriting the kingdom of God. Um, there is a bit of a theological challenge here, and I want, I, I, I want to, I, I cannot ignore it, and yet I do not want us to get too far off track. In every commentary I have on the book of Galatians, at the end of verse 21, Paul says, deep breath, Charlie, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, so if he's talking to followers of Jesus, then either they can lose their salvation, which we do not believe. We believe in the eternal security of the believer. Um, I won't give you my theology on that because then all the Methodists are going to beat you to the restaurant and um, all the good stuff will be gone. But you'll just trust me on that for a moment. You don't have to trust me completely, but trust me for the moment that we believe in the eternal security of the believer or... Or there's something going on here having to do with inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, every commentary I've ever read just makes a quick couple of presumptuous statements that certainly he must be talking about unbelievers. But the whole rest of this letter is written to believers. So the New Testament makes a distinction between those who enter the kingdom from those who inherit the kingdom. Now listen, this is, some of you, this will cause, this, this is going to cause you, cause us some difficulty. I'm still, I get goosebumps when I say it, I just said it out loud in public for the first time, right? But when Jesus, think about it, when Jesus was dealing with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, right? Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, a man must be born again, right? So you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So entrance into the kingdom of heaven is predicated, Dr. Berg says, on being born again, whereas we will see that inheritance relates to those already saved. Now, if you are taking notes, um, you'll be glad. I'm just going to give you a couple of these. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 and Ephesians 5, 5, right? I do think, um, yeah, Okay, so I was going to go easy on you, and I lied. I'm not going to. So, so what contextually the book of Galatians shows that to believe on Jesus by faith saves an individual, but those who persevere through faith receive a future inheritance. Is it possible that when that time comes in my life and I stand before Jesus and, and my work as a follower of Jesus, right, my life is examined, and there are two judgments, right, 
on judgment of unbeliever, judgment of the believer, and I lay these things down at the feet of Jesus, um, depending on how I've lived my life, I will have little or I will have much to lay at the feet of Jesus. Say, Pastor, you're really stretching it. Well, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I don't think it's up there. Quickly, quickly, one of the... Me quickly, not you. So, let me get there. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And think about building a building, building a house. Jesus Christ is a foundation. He is our salvation. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What Dr. Burge contends here, and I'm really going to go and scratch my head some more this week, but I'm sharing it with you with my hands off. Um, I'm sharing with you what Dr. Burge says in a letter that's being written to followers of Jesus. He says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It could be that one is, one is messing up one's inheritance in the kingdom of God, not talking about your entrance or not being permitted into the kingdom of God. That's a tough one for me, but I wanted to... I wanted to um, share that with you this morning, and I'm still rolling it around in my small brain, uh, in the Word of God and my small brain, uh, working on this, okay? So, um, I know we went there, but when we talk about inheriting the kingdom of God, the theological challenge there, um, I did, uh, I gave you the, a couple of those references to work with now. Now we're going to see some of the results. This was a tough thing. This is a tough message, right? Walking in the flesh, hearing about all those sins. Sometimes you feel you might have to go home and take a shower, man, just hearing about all that dirty sin, right? And then Paul says this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Oh, hold on, Charlie. Why'd you stop? What if the fruit of the Spirit, singular in the Greek language uh, in our text, what if the fruit of the Spirit is love? colon or period and what if the results of that love because he just told them up here a couple verses in verse 13 to serve one another in love paul talks a lot about love in ephesians he told them to walk in love so what if the fruit singular word in the greek language what if the fruit of the spirit is love which then produces joy peace patience kindness faithfulness gentleness self-control against these things there is no law Again, what if I love you the same way that Jesus Christ loved me? That might produce some joy in your life and mine. That might produce some happiness, some gentleness, some kindness in how I carry people, in how I treat people in and out of my days and nights. It should be something that becomes evident in my, not just in my spirit, but in my behavior, the working out of this of this faith if the fruit of the spirit is love you want to make it plural go ahead i'm just contending that the greek language fruit is single here that 
But what if, what if our community saw more of that out of us? And I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying, what if they saw more of that out of us, right? But the results of you, and you feel good this morning now. You say, Pastor, I am walking in the spirit, amen. I am living victoriously. I had a great week. You know what, Pastor? I have some joy in my life. Praise God. I have some peace in my life. Watch this. Even during, in the midst of trials and suffering and grief and loss, Jesus says that you and I can and should have some peace in our lives, supplied by Jesus, and joy too. He says, so kindness, goodness, faithfulness, this idea of steadfastness, this idea of saying, you know what, some days, and this isn't living in the flesh, this is faithfulness. Some days, I'm just going to hang in there and trust God. I'm not feeling it today, but I'm trusting Jesus today. I'm trusting Jesus, right? One thing we know, my feelings make very good servants, but very poor masters. My feelings, yeah, I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking, if my feelings get in charge. There's some gentleness and self-control. Now, now some of these sins that we talk about, just a little bit of self-control, right? We talk about, and, 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 and this is a touchy thing in recovery, right? You know, because we talk about addiction and we talk about a lack of self-control in our lives, which causes us to not try to regain control, but to surrender and just give it all up to Jesus. Amen. I recognized that I was powerless and that my life had become unmanageable. I don't drink and get high anymore, but sometimes that definition still fits me. Sometimes my life is still unmanageable if I'm walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit. There are days, there are times in our lives when we could be losing that battle a little bit along the way, right? And so, so, um, self-control. Self-control can be had through walking in the spirit. I won't make personal claims to having self-control as an addicted person in recovery from drugs and alcohol, but I will say that walking in the spirit, God is in control of my life, and I can exercise some behavior that is self-control. And if I don't, I need to check myself because that is sin. So we have the fruits of the Spirit going on here. And here it is. We're going to start with the gospel. We're going to end with the gospel. And he said, ooh, did he say end? We started with the gospel. We're going to end with the gospel. But also we see this thing called, um, and I always, we see it more in poetry, especially um, we don't see it as much in letters. But we have this inclusio. Paul kind of bookends this whole section here. He says, verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit. In verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So we see beginning and end. We know that what Paul is talking about all in this section goes together, right? He says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Man, some days when I sin, I just don't, I say, God, how is that? Because I just sinned it. I did the very sin I don't like. And yet the reality, the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus is that you are no longer bound to those things. Those things no longer own you. You don't have to live in those things. You don't have to walk in those things. You have freedom now. That's the truth of the word of God and who Jesus says you are. And uh, here's a good one, y'all. Positional sanctification. I know, I know, I had to do it. 
But positional sanctification says no matter how you feel today, even if you sin on, we have some of our worst fights in my family, just drunk my mom and dad with four kids. We had some good sin going on on our way to church some Sunday mornings. We used some words in the car. We would never have, well, my family probably might, might have used them in church too, but your family wouldn't have. And yet, you know what? Um, um, we crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those things, no child of God, Christian follower of Jesus, those things no longer own you. Today, even if you had one of those fights on the way over here, even if you had the worst thoughts you ever had on the way over here today, you say, you know what? I'm struggling with what I might even go do this afternoon after church. You know what? The truth is, if you know Jesus, if you are his child, if you are, if you are saved by grace through faith, that stuff does not own you. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. And I will say in closing, um, there are some things I can do um, if I want to be more aware and walking in the Spirit. There are some things I can do. I can meditate a little more each day on God's Word. You know what? If it's five minutes, if it's 20 minutes. I need longer than that this week. But, but if it's five minutes, if it's 20 minutes, memorize. You know, um, someone suggested memorizing Galatians 5.16 and 5.18 would be a great way to encourage yourself this week. Um, regarding walking in the spirit and then rehearsing and practicing the truth of the gospel the truth says if you know jesus this stuff no longer owns you you're a new creation it does not own you so there's fruit that fruit of the spirit walking in love this week walking in the spirit walking in love i will pray for us in a moment that we have some of that joy and that peace that God gives us some patience when we need it, some kindness towards others, a little gentleness uh, I know I need in my life. And why? Um, Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit.